Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hey, podcast listeners, Al Martin here. As always, thanks for being here. Hey, and thanks to our producers, Kate Main and Steve Templeton. They do a fantastic job. Always rate us on your favorite podcast. I'm here today with Elo Ume. Elo Ume is the founder and CEO of Tarragon Group. Let me give you a little about Tarragon Group, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Elo so he can introduce himself. Uh, Tarragon Group is Africa's fastest growing enterprise marketing technology company. They aggregate and enrich difficult to source customer data, which is why we're here, making data simple, right? We'll dive in. And they generate measurable outcomes for telcos, banks, and larger brands. They use on-demand marketing cloud platform in deep analytics to enable omni-channel access to 100 million mobile-first African customers. Elo's going to explain what all this means. Elo, I, I saw your bio, and it's a great picture on your bio, by the way. You've got this little smirk like I'm going to take <laughs> over the world. So I <laughs> look like you're ready for business. I love it. So, hey, thank you for being here. I greatly appreciate it. We're going to dive into a number of different areas, but why don't we start with your personal bio? If you could give us your experience, let's go from there. Great, Al. Thanks very much for having me. And um, great job you're doing with the podcast. Data is it's like super topical. Um, everybody's talking about it, but very few people understand it. I think it's one that when you break it down, when you, know, you talk about it, it's a di- making data simple. So how do we get folks to both talk about it and um, understand it? And I think understanding it um, is very different for different markets. So I'll share an African perspective if you give me the, um, uh, with this opportunity today. I'm going to who I am. I have worked in mobile for 20 years. It's going to be 20 years, probably next year. It's been like, when I think about the first day, it's like yesterday. Um, and why is that? Because I absolutely will love what I do. I've worked at a startup, part of the founding team at a startup, took it public in Nigeria, left there, had a brief stint at the IFC, and then I founded Terragon 12 years ago. It's been a roller coaster. Terragon, we help companies. The mission at the time was born from the smartphone, first of all. As soon as I saw the iPhone in the summer of 2007, I figured that media was going to aggregate to mobile. I was head over heels trying to figure out what the solution would be. Um, in Africa. Taking me 12 years, considering that I've been running for 12 years, head over heels, I should be exhausted by now. But um, the passion for what I do <laughs> is incredible. Over the last few years, we kind of like pivoted the business slightly um, rather than doing it from a, rather than focusing on just platforms, we started to go more micro. And what is driving that micro is smartphones, right? Phones get smarter, digital footprints get start to stick and that digital footprint is really data. How do we organize that data? How do we make sense of it? And how do we extract value from it? It's really what we do. That's what we've focused on over the last um, three years or so. I went to school in Nigeria. I have an MBA from YSA in Barcelona, undergrad, Lagos State University. And um, I think I understand Africa, at least the Africa telco landscape and uh, the Africa marketing tech and communication landscape fairly well and uh, with the help of my colleagues and the larger tarragon team it's been great no that was great uh i do want to dive into tarragon but 
you say you should be exhausted. How are you keeping all your energy? What keeps you up during the day? What keeps you going? What keeps me up during the day is, is, the, is the sort of problems you're solving, right? We're not looking across the Atlantic um, into the U.S. to figure out this is how the U.S. is approaching data. We are um, learning from those experiences. Um, we're not looking across the Mediterranean and trying to figure out, oh, this is what Europe is doing. We are learning from those experiences and we're looking inwards. Um, we're paying a lot of attention to our market. And, um, and to pay attention to your market just is essentially empathy. Empathy takes a lot of time. Empathy is very revealing. Empathy is, you experience it every day. And it's from there that you find a lot of the fun comes, right? Because you learn new things every day. Rather than just looking out and copying stuff, um, you apply empathy to every challenge. We think that has been our DNA, um, solving for Africa. And we're making progress, taking a very unique approach. We're building a business that has no blueprint. With that, we are we're quite confident just from the gains that we're achieving, right? When we win, very small wins sometimes, um, but we, it gives us a lot of confidence to continue to push on in our, with our unique blueprint. That really is the source of the zeal, the source of the energy to keep going. Have you always been a part of startups or new companies? Is that yeah, entrepreneurial spirit? Is that you? Did you start off in, a, in the enterprise and then make the switch? I have been part of, um, so I'm out of grad school studying business, I joined a startup, right? So I've been part of that and I was there for seven years. That was a roller coaster. That was a, a lot of fun. I left, had a small stint at a big company, but I was working by myself because I was like a consultant helping the IFC study mobile payments in Africa. Um, that was my only experience at a big company before I went on to start Terragon. In terms of when you look at the duration um, in between for both roles, right? At Terragon um, after the IFC and at Entec before the IFC, I've stayed longest in startup environments. So that really may be my natural habitat. All right, sounds good. Hey, let's dive into Terragon. You must be doing extremely well. I'd like to hear about it. Something over 350 million customers? Is that true? Um, not 350 million customers, but 350 million addressable profiles. And when we consider that, and um, what are profiles? Profiles are identities behind mobile devices. So when we look at that within the context of a continent that has 700 million mobile connections, that means we have, we have about half of the mobile connections on the continent. We have access to about half of the mobile connections on the continent. That's a sizable addressable market, um, to put it that way, um, straight from the from strategy playbook, right? So it is one that is, if we unlock the full potential, it could be a lot of value. Businesses, um, for the consumers we're trying to reach, that is the mission we're on. In 2009 is when the, the company Late started, is that correct? That's correct. Late 2009. So let's back up. What does Terragon, what's the name stand for? What's it mean? <laughs> I get that all the time. Terragon is Terra. At the time we started in 2009, Terra was like, that was size and technology. So everything, if you wanted to talk about big data in 2009, it's terabytes of data. Um, so we took Terra from that. That was a qualification right. to tell us, oh, this is the big opportunity. Mobile connections are going to continue to grow. So Terra, that is the size. And gone from geometry, right? Multiple shapes, multiple challenges, multiple sizes. So the size of the opportunity and the, how we are going to approach it. We're going to approach it through in, for, with a multi-pronged approach. That is Terragon. Nice. 
a marketing technology company. All right, let's dive in. What does that mean? What does Terragon do? Terragon is, an, is a software company. Um, we use a software on both our demand side, which is customers who rely on us to help them connect to their customers. Um, and we also use a software on our supply side, companies who depend on us to help them organize their data, generate insights from it, and create commercial value from it. So on both sides, relying on our, on our software, we are data processors. And we bring, it's a double-sided platform, and we bring both sides together, and we take a, a fraction of the value we create. That is what Terragon does. Who are your prominent customers? Any company. So we have SMBs who want to drive social advertising on Facebook. We give them a tool, a very simple tool, uh, that breaks down the Facebook media buying process from 12 steps to three steps. These are companies that make probably $200, $300, $400 a, a day in sales. And they want to spend $10, $20 in advertising every day, which is a bulk of Facebook customers, right? But they are very ignorant of the Facebook platform. And they come to us and we help them with this software. And we automate that process where they reach a customer in their locale. And while they reach that customer on social, we can also identify, so marketing automation behind it, to reach those customers on SMS as well. They have multi-channel approach. This is very important. Why? Because in Africa, 98% of mobile customers in Africa are prepaid. It's a cultural thing. People who can even afford it don't buy airtime for a month or are not postpaid. So these customers sometimes could be on the internet while sometimes they may not really be on the internet. So a multi-channel approach is one that is that can be quite powerful. So those are the kind of customizations that we build into our product proposition. That is one vertical, SMBs. And then we have um, large enterprises, banks, who have invested in digital transformation for the last five years. With their investments in digital transformation for the last five years, they now have, they've grown from zero digital customers on mobile apps and on a channel which is USSD. So USSD will be foreign to an average American audience. But this is directly from a native telco channel, right? Use star 111 hash. That is powering millions and millions of mobile banking and mobile transactions in Africa. It's growing two to 300% for an average bank year on year. And while mobile app transactions is growing one percentage point every year. So you can see where all the traffic is. On those channels, we help banks engage. We help banks drive transactions. We help banks grow. That is really our promise to our customers. You say that the culture is prepaid. Define prepaid to make sure I understand. I mean, is that you prepay your cell phone for a year? I mean, what so prepaid is um, I get out of bed. I have a dollar in airtime credit and I can make a dollar's worth of call. So an, an average African, yeah, may have, after that one dollar is exhausted, they have zero credit, right? And they buy another $10 worth of credit and they use that for the day. Um, so they keep topping up on a use basis, on a, on a need basis. It's not unlimited, but the business models are built around it. And um, th this is how mobile for the last 20 years in Nigeria, at least, and in most African countries has grown. I am postpaid. So every month I pay 
200 $300 and it sticks on my phone. And I top that up every month. But most people, 98% of the customers in this market are prepaid. They don't keep their airtime uh, on their phones. They, they buy on a need basis. But how does that align with the banking transactions? I mean, what percentage of banking transactions are in the mobile phone? I mean, I'm trying to figure out, hey, if you're prepaid, you got a dollar. There's only so much time you have to do that banking transaction. So I'm trying to figure out how much is really done via the, the mobile platform versus alternative. Oh, that is great insight. That is great insight. And I think that listeners will get a lot from this, right? From this analogy, which you have just uh, brought up. When we, and this is, these are the things, these are the nuances, right? So we thought about this, you know, we looked at how people use their phones. We looked at how banking is going into telco channels. People are not going to have data to always sign up to their apps. So let's stay with banks again um, for, for a second. A bank has two channels. It has a mobile app channel that is powered by internet data. And the customer is prepaid. The customer has no airtime. So how would that customer transact? Then secondly, the bank has a USSD channel. Until recently, that USSD channel has been free to access, but now it's paid for. So the bank needs to be able to generate insights that helps them understand what class of my customer, what class does this customer sit in? Is this class a customer that has airtime all the time? And is this class a customer that always we need to support with airtime or we need to provide the service with airtime, additional airtime? Those insights, we bring the supply side. So we get the insights from the supply side. In this case, the supply side is telcos to tell the bank that, okay, this customer has would have airtime or sometimes doesn't have airtime. Customer can the, the bank can then make the decision to say, okay, I want to be able to take the cost of servicing this person's airtime so that the person can gen, can close that transaction, right? That's big data, simply, simply put, because it's heterogeneous, two different environments, there's insights being generated. And then the second piece is I don't want to take this cost. Why? Because this customer only transacts once in six months or once in 12 months. Um, so that is not a profitable customer. So those are the kind of choices we try to help banks power. Let me see if I can restate this. This is exactly where I was going with that questioning. Does your company help provide insights such that a bank in this case could decide to help that client pay for airtime on behalf of their transactions because they'll get more banking transactions? That is, those, are that the, those are the sort of insights we drive. Yes, that's correct. Tell me about the internals, if you if you could. I mean, so what kind of insights are you providing? Um, in, I guess, in extension to that question, is there an element of security here? I mean, there's got to be an element of security. Or do customers say, hey, look, again, for some form of compensation, we'll let you see, you know, what we're transacting, you know, what we're buying on the web, et cetera. So I don't know. I guess my question is twofold. What kind of uh, insights uh, and analytics are you getting? I guess it's threefold. What data are you using? And how does, it, does security play into it? First of all, we are, there are deployments. So what I was explaining, um, what Terragon does, I talked about software on one end and software on the other end. On the demand side, which is the, on, in this instance, is the bank. The bank has a customer data platform from us. It ingests a certain class of customers, and we have API plugins into other infrastructure within the bank's environment. All this privacy compliant, we check for privacy and we deploy on-premise. So we're data processors. So we're essentially processing that data on behalf of the bank, right? And then on the other environment, we go into a contract where we process 
and the other environment in this case is the supply side, so the telco side, right? On that side, we have a data management platform um, that helps supply side where we take queries from the demand side, going through our data lake, we interrogate our software on the supply side and generate the insights back. This happens connections permitting in seconds. And we come back to the client and tell the client, okay, this customer, these are insights we've been able to generate. This customer is high value. This customer is located here. And we enrich that with what we get from the bank. The bank says, oh, the same high value customer buys airtime sparingly, needs to top up airtime now. Or in some cases, the, that customer is running low on airtime. We use AI to tell the bank that this is your customer is running low on airtime. Let's top that customer up. Let's give the, the customer airtime. So being proactive rather than being reactive. So we think, first of all, privacy, which is inherent in the security considerations. And we try to limit as much as possible how much interaction we have with the public cloud, right? Um, but I think that everything eventually is going to migrate to the cloud. But from a maturity, ecosystem maturity standpoint, it's a little bit too early. So are you doing your analytics in the We're cloud doing then? Some analytics or no? For profiles that have gone through our infrastructure. So we do some analytics. So post-production analytics, real-time analytics, we try to do um, customer success, try to fulfill that in the client environment. I'm fascinated with the uh, use case here, just in terms of you know our banking analogy in that there's got to be some complex analytics to figure out if that client is high value or not. I mean, if I'm to pay for their airtime, they better return in banking transactions. The thing I'm struggling with is, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I, I think there would be a lot of folks that I'd be fearful of paying for airtime and I'm, I'm not gonna get the return on investment, I guess is what I'm saying. So there's gotta be great analytics. Absolutely, like a simple example is 98% of mobile customers run out of airtime because they're prepaid. What are the parameters to help me determine if this customer is high value and if I should spend a cent, two cents, 10 cents communicating with this customer in a proactive way to get that customer to recharge, to buy more airtime? Those are the decisions that our analytics team, our data science team, try to come up with, right, um, for, for clients. While on the other hand, the guy who is not doing as much today uh, on your in in its particular bank banking's environment could be the same customer that could become high value tomorrow or could be the same customer that is high value in the telco's environment therefore there's a disconnect that means his banking is being done somewhere else so how do we bring that insight mm -hmm. to this bank because that is an acquisition target potential acquisition target so those are some of the insights we also try to generate what kind of insights are you providing to telcos themselves? Um, our telco business is still um, very early days. We're doing more of inter, um, relying on so more heterogeneous data. Um, on the telco side, we are just building out our digital natives business, which is where the telcos will come in. So for instance, an example would be the guy who is who buys a beer and who bets on the telco environment um, because the betting guys run their digital campaigns or use the digital channels on the, on the telco, rely on the digital channels on the telco to get bets. And he also buys a beer, potentially would be attracted to 
a product is about American football. I can see the Kansas City hat you know, behind you. Um, <laughs> so so uh, yeah. nobody watches American football here, full disclosure. But for soccer here, yeah. soccer here is huge, right? <laughs> There can be a product, a, a soccer product that can be sold to that customer because he places bets every weekend. He has a beer in a particular place or whatever, because we know from our other customers and we have processed that data. We have that insight and we can upsell him to a product that the, the, that the telco is offering, a digital product, for instance, an app or a game. These are some of the options. What kind of technologies is Terragon using? I mean, you talked about AI, you're, you're using machine learning. Uh, what other technologies can you speak to? So first of all, data analytics is one that we recognize across, across the world, everybody's solving for data. And um, talent today, we're all trying to hire from a finite pool of talent. We have a base in Bangalore where our data science team is, well, it's a mix because we have on-prem guys in Lagos and in Nairobi in, the, in our different markets. Um, but the guys who write the code, who do the R&D, who make sure that the infrastructure can support the amount of data we're carrying, they use Python, they use R, um, Elasticsearch. These are all technology that we, we deploy from the pool of talent, which is becoming very, very limited. Um, we continue to try to figure out how we can stay at, at the cutting edge, because if you're not giving these guys exciting challenges, as the data science, the data engineers, the software engineers, um, the, 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 the work um, doesn't stay, you know, it's not, it's not exciting to them and they move on to other things, right? Um, so I would say we are in the mainstream tech. We manage our sprints um, with, with GitHub, um, with, um, with Jira, with, with mm -hmm. all the stuff that we, everybody else is used to. That is what we do. Maybe we, we may be 24 hours or 48 hours behind the rest of the world, but I think we are, we're fairly up to date. Are you still venture capitalist funded or are you cash flow positive? Or are you, you know, where, where does the company sit today? So we are, we're not cash flow positive yet. We think... Um, next year, early 2023, we'll be cash flow positive. We raised a Series A in 2018. At the core of it is how do we win in the biggest markets on the continent? How do we make our dominant position in the biggest markets on the continent? You know, become a much more sustainable business. So a couple of things you said early on intrigued me or fascinated me or in, in terms of added questions. One is you said, you know, look, when the smartphone came out, which is what, 2007, something like that, everybody else was thinking about using the smartphone and, and playing apps. And you were thinking, boy, I, I could build a business around smartphone. So within two years, like 2009, you started Terragon. What was it about the smartphone that gave you the itch to say, look, I got to go out on my own and, and we got to create this company? The market, that's really what gave it up for me. I saw the smartphone. I knew that power was not... 24-7. I knew many people didn't have a laptop or a desktop at home. I knew that schools didn't have a laptop or a desktop at home. I knew that a lot of people hadn't evolved like other parts of the world. And at the time, I wasn't, I had traveled to Europe, I had traveled to America, I remember, undergrad in Nigeria. But I had been to the US, I had been to Europe, I had seen how things had evolved. 
And as soon as I saw the smartphone, I knew that every African was going to hold the smartphone. And that was what was going to bridge um, the digital gap between Africa and the rest of the world. And when you look at 1.2 billion people, it was going to be accessible. At the time, the iPhone wasn't accessible. The iPhone today is still not accessible. But we know how markets evolve. Mm -hmm. As the technology penetrates, as, the as it becomes more pervasive, uh, more people are going to pick it up. The price will come down. And I saw that. That is, that's exactly what I saw. Um, maybe if I was in Europe, I wouldn't have seen the same thing. But understanding Africa, being it was palpable to me. It was very sure that the bet was. Now, one thing you also said is you said, hey, we're not figuring out what the U.S. is doing. We're, we're not copying what uh, Europe is doing. Can you say more about that, why you made that specific comment? I presume it's just the uniqueness of the African market and industry. It comes down to product. I worked for seven years at a startup fresh out of school, and I was a product manager. So I was able to bring the commercial side of things with the engineering or with the technology side. And I think that that is what gave me the outlook to think about building a business. When you come down to it at the, at the core, you know, you can go out to Europe, you can go out to the US and say, oh, guys, I need this software. Um, but that software doesn't solve for Africa. Spend some time talking about the role of a telco on the supply side and a bank. And the product flow within that, the product flow is a digital transaction platform. That digital transaction platform has a mobile app, which the whole world is conversant with, native telco channel, USSD. Both of them are relevant from a MarTech perspective. But when you think about who would win on the continent, it's the person who has a product that solves for the two. But a European product will never solve for the two channels. A U.S. product will never solve for the two channels. So somebody needs to pay a lot of attention to how an average African uses the phone and so forth. That really, at the core of it, is why I made those statements. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. No, I, I got it. Who's your biggest competitor and what differentiates you? What, what's your sweet spot? I think our competitors, we need to dimension them or dissect them across our value chain. So on one side, we have a software on the demand side, which you can call a demand side platform, just for lack of a mm -hmm. better classification. And then on the supply side, we have another platform, which you can call a supply side platform. We have a different set of competitors on the supply side. We have a different set of competitors on the demand side. In between that, at a platform layer. So when the two sides come together, we, we are trying to build out a cloud platform, right? So at the cloud level, we have mm -hmm. the likes of, we won't call them competitors, but we will call them, you know, friends of the business, people that will help us get to where we want to get to. The likes of Salesforce, the likes of Adobe, the likes of Microsoft. And some of them we talk to today, some of them we work with. While on the SSPs or the supply side, we have, there's a cross-section of competitors uh, on that side. Um, from the regular SSPs like Magnite, Immobi and Co, which is more web-based. We are coming with both web and we're also coming with telco inventory, which we're driving directly, which we're connecting directly to. So that makes our own connection very seamless. And then we go on the demand side because we have a distributed software that solves for the native concerns, the inherent needs of the African consumer. Omnichannel, very dumbed down version um, of the software. I give that example with social. We have that on the demand side. So we have our partners with like the likes of Facebook. Um, we have 
other enterprise software companies, right? MRCs who are selling software into the continent, Tedium who are also selling software into the continent, Segment who is now who was acquired recently by Twilio. So these are all players that we look at. So we think that our sweet spot will be to identify a segment from the supply side, the platform layer, and then to the demand side. A very thin segment. Nobody else can do better than we do. What, so what's next for you in Terrigo? Um, we want to, so today we're telling the story of um, one of the market leaders, one of the leading. We want to raise our B round and then we want the market to know that we are the leaders. So we will change that, that whole proposition of leading. It's going to become leaders. So we want to double down that effort over the next 18 months. Do you envision expanding into other countries? We are, yes, in Africa, but everything we're going to do um, right now is going to be focused on the continent, the largest markets on the continent. How big is the company, by the way? In terms of people um, across five markets, London, um, Lagos, Very Nairobi, good. Bangalore, Johannesburg. We have a ton of listeners in Africa, thankfully. But one question I have for you is for the rest of the, the world. What do you think are some of the unique uh, challenges or opportunities in doing business in Africa? I mean, you already described by example that, you know, in the cell phone market, uh, it's very different in its prepay. I find that fascinating. Any other areas just in terms of the, the business and the industry that you think others should be privy to outside of Africa itself? So from my experience, right, um, I think one of the big things like I tell people is everybody pays a lot of attention to size. Everybody pays attention to, and size means opportunity. But without empathy, understanding the market, um, understanding the people, understanding how they go about things, that is usually the banana peel. And it's one that, and this also connects to building an organization, how you foster the culture within the organization. And it's back to people, right? Um, when you get it wrong in that area, and people kind of like come to Africa with the understand, with the whatever, the mentality of, oh, anything I tell them, that's what they're going to do. Kind of like goes wrong really, really quickly. So I would say, you know, forget about your patents for a minute. Um, forget about your, you know, your product for for a few days and understand the market, understand the people, understand how you're hired, understand the culture you're nurturing. Look, I was going to ask you, you know, what, what your leadership philosophy is. I think you just answered it. <laughs> but so let me ask an alternative question. What do you think the biggest mistakes that uh, entrepreneurs make? What do I think of biggest? Well, I haven't delivered a company yet. So first of all, disclaimer, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you're doing pretty damn well. I'd say, you know, you know look, uh, you know, 300 uh, profiles, 350 million profiles is half the, half the market, uh, at least is what you described. That's, we, that's we, pretty impressive. Yeah, we, are, we, are, we are working on it. We're working on it. But if I was to take my 12 years experience building Terragon, I would say that... Um, also, back to my former point, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, first of all, you need to pay attention to the people. If you pay attention to the people, you foster the right sort of environment. 
an environment where you're not the Lord of Master, an environment where you truly and deeply depend on the people. They will go overboard for you and you in turn will draw strength from them and collectively be on the path to building something really interesting. Very nice. Hey, look, this has been ex extremely informational for me. Anything that uh, you wish I would have asked that I didn't ask? Um, I actually liked it. I was a bit nervous about how deep <laughs> the, the background is IBM. But it, I, then I thought about, oh, making data simple. So it's not going to be so popular. So <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole key. I got buddies that listen. They say, I didn't understand a damn thing. So I'm trying to keep it at balance so that it, it, the audience you know, can appeal to everybody technical Absolutely. and non-technical. Hopefully think, we did that today. So. Hopefully we did that today. Does, uh, where, where can uh, listeners reach out to you or learn more about www.daragongroup.com uh, and I'm at, um, and they can reach out to me on, on Twitter, on LinkedIn at elume.com. Um, elume, yeah, compound, so no dot. Thank you so much. I was going to finish with a little game, but I think I know the answers now, having heard most of your, uh, most of this, you know, the podcast here, I was going to talk about, you know, we usually do like, would you rather? So we, you got to pick a side or not, but I know the answers to these already. I guess I could hit a couple. I'll give you an example, like desktop mobile. or mobile phone. You're going to say mobile phone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's too easy. Now that we know you, it's, you know, it's the answers are there. Startup or established company. Startup. Of course, those are easy. So let me ask you this. What do you do for football. fun? Soccer. Football. So not American football. I just right? get you made that American clear football. earlier. Like you guys were in the finals last year, right? Absolutely. Yes, we were. See, you. I knew <laughs> you were the secret closet American <laughs> football fan. And um, if it wasn't for Tom Brady, you guys would have won, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yeah, but we we won the previous year, so I'll take that. Yeah, Tom Brady. I guess you know what I have to call him the goat now, the greatest of all time, because uh, he won that. I you know I thought it was always the coach, but Absolutely. then he went to another team. But I do have an appreciation for the real football. So here I'll ask you a question. This is what I ask on my team: Who's better in their prime, Messi or Ronaldo? I am all for Ronaldo. Man, you know what? About five years ago, people were saying Messi. Now they always say Ronaldo. I am all for, I am all for Ronaldo. I'm on the Ronaldo bandwagon. I don't like the team he's moving to today, but I'm all for Ronaldo still. I think... Who is your team? Um, <laughs> I support Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, how did that come about? Um, how did that come about? Well, first of all, I think... They're a London club, and I grew up in Lagos. I went to school in Lagos. So the first place I go to, most average Africa or Lagosian will first of all travel to London. And the part of London they're based is not London. And they had a, a like an iconic Nigerian um, playing for them for a while. And they mm -hmm. kind of like built my affiliation. And somehow, they haven't been doing too well recently, but I, that, that's my club. I've put in a lot of, I've invested a lot in them. And, um, but that's how it came about. My first trip to London, I was in North London and I went to the Arsenal Stadium and I had already been watching Arsenal on TV. Um, so that's how it came about. And there's one of my very senior uh, mentors and um, business leaders who, who is a big, big, avid Arsenal fan as well. 
So we used to go to his house to watch games. So we, we invested a lot in them. At the time, they were doing very well. Sign of a true fan. Look, you know, on my side, uh, everybody knows the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> now, but uh, before, what, four two years ago, they hadn't won a championship since the Yep. All right. Hey, thank you for being on the podcast. I learned a lot. Uh, look, you, it looks like you've got a very bright future with Tarragon, and you've got the priorities right, uh, particularly when you're talking empathy and people first. So thank you for being on the podcast. I can't thank, thank you. Thank you all. Thanks for having me. And thanks, Kate, for making it happen. Thank you, podcast listeners. And all feedback on almartintalksdata at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and I'll see you on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out. Oh.